listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we're going to hear a message from our congressional care pastor, Aaron Caton. Everybody remember what the title of the message was last week? You are commissioned. So those of you that were here last week, I laid out a challenge. Everybody remember what the challenge was? Bruce, you remember? No. <laughs> the, the challenge was, like, we, we, we learned Romans Road, right? And we were to take out in our commission status and go forth and invite people to church. But we learned Romans Road so that we could possibly lead someone to Christ. So I'm going to open up for the first five minutes. Was there anybody that took it with you this week? Anybody invite somebody to church? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a microphone, please. <laughs> we got a fresh face back here. This is what I'm talking about. Huh? Who, who did you invite? What happened? Um, it was my dear friend who I've reached out for the last two weeks, and I was initially told I'll be there Sunday. Thursday night she was going to be here. Friday night was a maybe. Last night, no response. This morning I, um, after church she texted and said, I'm so sorry, I'll try again next week. I said, yes you will. <laughs> Because I'll be asking you again. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anybody else back here? Huh? All right. Huh? This is, this, is, this is all learning and growing. I invited Eliana's friend's family, and they couldn't come this weekend because they had another little visitor stand two nights in a row, but they're going to come next Sunday. Amen. Amen. So we got two people with some boldness. Anybody else that invited somebody to church? Huh? Anybody else? Huh? I always invite the young men to work for me at uh, where I work, and uh, they've always got some kind of excuse, but I explain to them, that when I usually get some time with them every morning, talk to them about Christ, and you know, that there's some day there's a, there's a decision to be made that you'll need to make, and if you don't make it, there's another decision you might not like the choice, so. Amen. Anybody else invite somebody to church? Uh, I, I, this is not particularly inviting someone to church. Well, George, that's, that's what this is about. Yes. <laughs> but I have a praise report. Okay. I have a, when I go to a restaurant and I have established good friendships with about 10, 12 people, the report is we've been praying for this woman's daughter yeah. for a long time. Amen. She's been on drugs. She's sold her body. She's done everything. Bad news. Okay. But today she came forth to her mother, Amen. decided that she wanted to be rehabbed. Miracles are still yeah. opening up. She's not going to be in prison or in jail right now. She's going Amen. to use that time to go into rehab. She's talking about Christ. And I said to uh, my friend, I said, we are going to stand with her together one day and say hallelujah. Praise the Lord Amen. for what you have done. Amen. 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 Anybody else? I wasn't even here last Sunday night. But we flew back in last night. I come up to the new building. There was a couple upstairs working out. And he said, hey, Pastor, we love this new building. I said, do you really love it? And he said, yeah. I said, then you'd love church 
uh, even greater if you come tomorrow night. He looked at me and he said, spiritual boot camp, the book of Ephesians, chapter one, and church starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. Guess what? He didn't come. <laughs> but I'll get after him again like we just heard. We'll get him next week, right? I invited a waitress at Denny's to church, and she said she has to work every Sunday, or most Sundays, but she said when she goes to church, she goes to Immaculate Conception with her mother. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Did you invite somebody? Anybody lead somebody to Christ? Anybody? All right. Now listen, I'm going to quiz you. Every Sunday. I expect to hear some testimonies of inviting. I believe pursue, pursue was the word for the year, right? So we have to go forward and pursue. Last Sunday night we got taught, we got commissioned, we went through Romans Road, we went through how, how Jesus invited, right? We've all talked about Andrew and Peter, how he invited. So I'm going to continue. I expect testimonies every Sunday night. Hey, they may not come. But the boldness that you're getting of inviting somebody, remember, practice. You got to practice. All right? All right. So, title of the message, On the Morrow, 2 Kings chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 20. It's a day of reading long scriptures. So, then Elijah said, hear you the word of the Lord. Thus say the Lord. Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel of two and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine own with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And there were four lepers, men at the entering of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a, to hear a noise of the chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as if it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried then silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried it. Thence also went and hid it. And then they said one to another, we do not well. This is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. If we tarry until the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. 
So they came and called unto the porter of the city, and they told him, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he called the porters, and they, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now, bless, I will now show you where, what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry, there, therefore are they going out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, let some, let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, these are also the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of the Israelites that are consumed, and let us send and see. They took therefore two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Caesarians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste, and the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Caesarians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. And the king appointed the Lord on whose hands he leaned to have the charge of the gate and the people trod upon him in the gate and he died as the man of God had said who spoke when the king came down to him and it came to pass as the man of God had spoken to the king saying two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said now behold the Lord should make windows in heaven might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And so it fell unto him, for the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful for your word. And Father, I pray tonight, Lord God, that you would, you would just give everything that you've given me, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would give fresh manna. Lord, I pray that you bless your word and bless this time in the name of Jesus and amen. So there's a lot going on here. At, at this time, we know that the Caesarian army has come. We know that they have conquered Israel eight to ten times. They continue to conquer. They continue to come. They continue every time that healing starts to take place. Every time the city starts to get back up on its feet, the adversary shows up. I don't know about you, but that's, that's something that happens in our own life. Every time that we start to, start to do well, we start to advance, it seems like the adversary starts to hit us and we start falling backwards and we start taking our eyes off of God. And that's exactly what's going on. The Israelites, they're starting to recover from every attack. They're, they're surrounded. They're starting to recover. But then the Caesarian army comes back again. We learn in chapter 6 that the Caesarian army keeps coming back. We learn that in chapter 6 that, that the Israelites have locked themselves down. They think that they're safe. They're surrounded by, by the Caesareans. In doing so, there's no imports, there's no exports, there's no tradings, there's no good, there's no trade of hand. And everybody feels safe, but there's a famine in the city. And in that city, right now, we learn in chapter six that, that they're eating two things. They're eating the donkey's head and they're eating dove's dung. I, that right now, a donkey's head is being sold for, for 80 pieces of silver at roughly $51.20. And I don't know where the commentary got that from, but that's what it was going for. FDA approved right off the street, donkey head. And if that doesn't, 
If that doesn't sound good to you, and listen, coming from the Filipinos, uh, we'd just fry that thing up and we'd eat it. I mean, we're in the middle of family, we're gonna, we're gonna deep fry it and we're just gonna eat it because that's how Filipinos, that's how we handle our business. I don't know how you would handle it, but that's how we would do it. But if that's not good enough, then you can move on to Dung's Dung. A dove's dung. I mean, I don't know about you, but can we have that for the appetizer and then we'll take the, the donkey's head for the main course, right? I mean, that's what's going on. So this is what's going on inside of it. It's terrible. It's a donkey's head or dove's dung. This is what's going on in the city. We're surrounded by the enemy, but this is what's going on. We're starving ourselves. I don't know about you. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you, but, but you might be surrounded by yourself and you're living in a city. Whoo, you're living in a city, but you ain't picking, you ain't picking up the word. You ain't reading we're famine we're starving our own selves because we're we're not picking up the word we're not living on the bread of life we're not living and we're not thirsting for it he said if i'll give you water jesus i'll give you water what are you thirsting for they're 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 in a situation and it's gotten even worse it's gotten so bad that the donkey and the dung ain't good enough. There's cannibalism going on. I would rather step out of the gate and die to the enemy's sword. Mm. They're desperate. They're hopeless. Why, what would make you so hopeless that you would turn to cannibalism? The king of Israel, he can't take it anymore. He, the, 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 the people are going insane. He, he's, he's, he, he hasn't even cast the cares upon the Lord. He can't take the people's cares anymore. He can't take the insanity of the people anymore that he rents his clothes because of all the wrong that's committed. But the king, he passes the buck. He doesn't go chasing after God. He goes chasing after Elijah. He goes chasing after the prophet. He's going to kill Elijah. Man, when we get mad at God, what do we do? We want to take out God's servant. I don't understand why. Why don't we just come to God? Why don't we, why don't we say, Lord God, what can I do? Because he, the Bible tells us to seek him while he may be found. But, but when, when, when things don't go right in our lives, we, we blame God, but we want to call the pastor and yell at him and say, I don't understand why this isn't working out for me. Maybe we got to go back to where we're in a famine in our city. We're a famine in our heart, in our inner man. God, the king blames God and he blames the prophet. So he has a plan to kill him, right? It's always someone else's fault. Israel's, Israel's in sin, the king can't take the people anymore and he just turns a blind eye to the sin that they're living in instead of pressing into what God has. Chapter seven, verses one and two. Then Elijah said, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? Well, let me tell you, the Lord does make windows and, and he does open those windows and he does pour out blessings. But you got, as we heard this morning, you got you to gotta stir up that belief inside of you that God can take care of you. God can meet all your provisions. God can do whatever God wants to do. But it's in our belief pattern. This man said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be. And Elijah said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Elijah says, Hear the word of the Lord. 
Tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow is a new The inflation that we're facing, the inflation that's going on where a donkey's head is 5120 and dove's dung is three something, tomorrow it's going to be changed. You're going to have the finest flour and you're going to eat barley. Listen, when God's in it, you're no longer going to eat of, of the tail, but you're going to eat of the finest. If God's in it, you're going to eat of the finest. Anybody alive here tonight? Yeah? Amen. If God's in it, you're going to eat of the finest. Amen? Amen. Somehow, at the gate of Samaria, business is going to go back to normal, Pastor Rita. There's going to be export. There's going to be imports. There's going to be trading. There's going to be exchanging of hands. There's going to be money going back. Somehow, on the morrow, it's going to be different. How about your tomorrow? I don't know what you're facing today. But somehow on the morrow, listen, pain comes in the night, joy comes in the morning. It's on the morrow that that exchange takes place. It's on the morrow that life changes. His grace is new every day. His mercy is new every day. On the morrow, we have an option to get up and praise the Lord. On the morrow, we have an option to get up and raise our hands and say, thank you, Lord God, that I got breath in my lungs. On the morrow, we have, we have a chance to say, God, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my salvation. On the morrow, we have an opportunity to stand up and praise the Lord. Amen. On the morrow, by the word of the Lord, on the morrow, Maybe sometimes we got to speak the word over us so on the morrow we get up and we got a little energizer. We got that energizer bunny running, bang, 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 where we just start clapping and praising the Lord because there's excitement inside of us. Because on the morrow we believe that God's going to do something new for us. However, the king's servant, he doubted the word of the Lord. First mistake, he doubted the word of the Lord. Second mistake, he doubted the power of the Lord. And I have to think that this brother has heard about Moses. I have to think that this brother has heard about the manna, that where God opened the windows and he poured down bread that they could live on. I got to believe that the brother has heard about the quail that God has sent. But he doubts the word and he doubts the power of the living God. In Deuteronomy 8 and 3, it tells me that the Lord spoke, you can't live on bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord, you live on the word of God. You, you feed your spirit man. You feed your spirit man so that you can invite somebody to church. It tells me that we got to be in season and out of season, but it tells me also that we got to be able to explain what our hope is in this glorious God that we serve and the grace, his loving grace, why it makes us excited to get up on a Sunday morning and come, why it makes us excited to go to a life, a life group and fellowship with brothers and sisters of like-mindedness. It, it's God's grace and his love. We've got to be able to share these things. The servant can't believe the word of the Lord. So much unbelief. He doesn't trust God. Unbelief says uh, not tomorrow. Unbelief says God can't do it. Unbelief says we're surrounded by our enemy. Unbelief says this can't happen. But that's not what our God says. Our God says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Our God says in Matthew 19 and 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man it's impossible. But with God all things are possible. All, all things on tomorrow are possible. David, I don't know what tomorrow looks like for your mom. But I know that there's hope in tomorrow. I don't know what's going on in everybody's life. But I know that there's hope for tomorrow if we keep trusting Jesus. No matter what, if, if we get called home... <laughs> Their inheritance, they met it a lot sooner than I did. Huh? Their hope, their hope. Elijah, he stops the king's servants whenever he said, whenever he said, ah, not on tomorrow, I can't believe it. Listen, you're going to see it with your own eyes, but you'll not eat of it. When unbelief gets in us, 
Hear this. The blessing of God may pass us by. When unbelief gets in us, the blessing of God may pass us by. Hebrews 11 and 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The blessing of God is that substance hoped for. I prayed and I prayed and hoped for a new job. I prayed and hoped to be healed. I prayed and hoped that my son or my daughter, the prodigal, would, would, would return. That's the substance that I was hoping for. The blessing of God is the faith to have in that substance that I'm praying for. Do you remember when you prayed for that new job and God answered your prayer? That's why you get up in the morning and you praise God. You remember when your cabinets were empty but somebody gave you groceries. That's why you get up and you praise the Lord because of the provision that God lays out for you on the morrow. On the morrow. We must have faith in the word of God. We must have faith in God. We must have faith in the power of our Lord God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You must believe that he is God, that he is almighty God, that he is supreme God, that he's all-knowing God, that he knows exactly where you're at, what your need is, and that he will take care of it. He is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you make an effort to be a God chaser? Do you make that effort? Are you in that famine season of life where you're like, I feel like I'm in a dry season? Well, then make an effort to become a God chaser. Are you in a season of life where, where you're like, I can't find him, I can't? Well, seek him harder. Get up on your face. Pray through as the old saints would. Pastor Shirley Webster would say, Aaron, pray through until you get there. Pray through. Huh? All God desires from you and I is to be sought after. Let that register. He wants to be sought after. He wants you and I to just seek him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. Chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall unto the host of the Caesareans. If they, say, if they shall save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Caesareans. And when they were to come, the utter, when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of the Caesarea, behold, there was no man there. These four leprous men, they are outcasts. You were unclean if you were lepers. You had to sit on the outside of the city. You weren't in the city. Listen, while, while they were, while, before the famine, they were sitting out there eating the scraps. But now that the famine's going on, now they're just sitting there on the pile of dung and they are just starving to death. And now they realize that they have to get up. There's a time in everybody's life, I believe, where we say that this really isn't working for me. I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at, where you're sitting at, but I know in, in 2008 when my dad passed, that was my moment. Whenever I said this really isn't working for me, that's whenever my heart started changing. That's whenever I started saying, I need God. I need to do something different, Cindy. Cindy, we need to do something different. And that's when God started meeting my questions. It's when God started hearing my, my cry. It's when God sent me to a church that brought me unto salvation. We, you and I, every, uh, there's a time in our life, and I don't know where everybody's at, 
But there's a time where we say this really isn't working. And you got to get up and you got to do something about it. I love the fact that the Lord chose these four outcasts in his plan. Like we said last week, God can and God does use ordinary, ordinary people. But God can and God does use outcasts. Each and every one of us. I don't know your testimony. I don't know where God brought you from, brought you through. But I know that I was an outcast. If we stay, we die. If we try something new, we may die. Listen, change, it cripples people. We got to get over the fear of change. It's what brought us to salvation was the change. It was an exchange, Mike, from sin to salvation. We came to the cross, and that's where it took place. We got to get up, and we got to say, I want change in my life, God. I want to do something different. I want to have boldness to go forth and invite people to church. I want to have boldness. I got to have change in myself. I want to have boldness so I can lead somebody to the Lord. Soften my friend's heart. Give me the right words because I want change. I want change. I, w- I want to be that servant. I want to be that vessel. These lepers says, I got to have change in my life. I can't sit here and die. Many of us, we just want to sit here in famine. We got to get up. We got to get up and do something. Hmm. The four lepers said, the worst, worst thing that happens is what we die. Listen, they didn't go to the closest camp. Think about that. They sat there. And they said, if we go to that camp, they know that we're the four men that sit here every day. They know that we're Israelites. They know who we are. It says that they went to the uttermost part of the camp. That means they got up and they walked around the city. They walked around some wooded areas and they came to the uttermost part of the camp. They're trying to fool the enemy. They're trying to get to the outskirts where that camp will give them food. That camp may may give them water. And if you think about it, they're not like the Israelites, right? Because if we go back to chapter five, we read that Naaman was a captain of the Caesarean army. So they're not as as outcast, maybe, in the Caesarean army, because Naaman was a captain. So maybe they would have welcomed him in. But let's hear verse six. For the Lord had made the host of the Caesareans to hear a voice of chariots and the noise of horses and even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and they left their tents and their horses and their asses and even the camp as it was and fled for their life. Listen, chapter 6, we learned that, that God blinded the Caesarean army, and now he's messed with their hearing. But let's go back to verse 7. They're walking to the othermost part of the camp. And as they're walking, maybe God is amplifying their steps. Maybe God is magnifying their steps. Maybe God's magnifying their voices where the Caesareans who's on that camp have, have heard a noise, and they're trembling in fear that God is moving. The Israelites, they, they've called kings from other nations. They've hired somebody to come and kill us so that we're not surrounding them, so that they can move out of the city and move out of their famine. God can use you. He can magnify your steps. He can magnify your heart. He can amplify your voice to where you can lead somebody to the Lord, where you can invite somebody to church. God can do things through you that you can't even imagine. 
But all you got to do is get up. They got up. They said, if we stay here, we die. Listen, if you're in a spot where you think that you're, that you're in a dry season, get up and do something different. Go about yourself different. If you're in a dry season, get up and praise the Lord. Maybe, maybe I just get up and I start praying. Well, get up and start praising. Maybe I get up and I start praising, but I ain't getting nothing. Well, get up and start praying and then go to praising. I don't know, but try something different. These men said, if I stay here, I'm going to die. But I got to get up and try something different. And I ain't going straight to their first camp because I'll probably die. They know who I am. I'm going around. Sometimes we got to go around the enemy huh? in order to get what we need. Verse 8, and when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent, did it and drink. Imagine that. You're a leper, you're, a, you're, you're dirty, you're unclean, but they go in, these four men, they go in. And I imagine, you know, I don't picture a small two-man tent. I picture a tent that you spread those curtains open. There's a table in there, and they sit down. And the four of them are just whining and dining. Eating meals are like, whoo, man, don't overeat. Boys, it might run through us. You never know. Let's calm down. We're eating too much already. Huh? They're just, they're having a good time. There ain't nobody saying, you're unclean. You can't be doing that. No, they're in fellowship. They're in companionship. They're sitting there going, man, look what the Lord has done for us, huh? Yeah. Huh? And then they carried out silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered another tent. Man, they carried out so much silver and gold they came back to another tent and they started all over again, huh? Food and beverage and wealth. And the Lord supplied all their needs. And then one said to another, we do not well this day. It's a day of good tidings. Man, it's a good day. It's a day of good tidings. When we take the word of God and we take an invitation to somebody, it's a day of good tidings. Good tidings. And we hold our peace. Why do we hold our peace? If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. At first they took care of themselves. But they're eating, they're drinking, they're being merry, and then something happened to them. They looked at each other and they said, we're being selfish. Man, if we don't take Jesus out, mm. anyway. And just like that, God changed their selfish attitude and they had to share what they stumbled into. Today, we stumbled into the word and we got to take it with us. So these four lepers return to the city and they call upon the gatekeeper. Remember, they're outcasts, so they can't go into the city. They got to stop at the gatekeeper. They say, hey, gatekeeper, listen, the Caesarean army, they, they fled and they left everything behind. And the gatekeeper, remember, it's a twilight, twilight hour, so who knows what time it is. It's still nighttime. And the gatekeeper's probably rubbing a little sleep out of his eyes. Said, what'd you say? What do you mean? And the four lepers says, their horses, their donkeys, their tents, their food, their beverages, their silver and gold, they are all in their tents. They've got up and fled. We don't know what happened. Awake the king. And the gatekeeper, he's got to digest all this. Is my life worth risking? If I wake the king, will he, will he believe this? Wake the king and we're telling you. It's all there. Come search it yourself. And the king gets up out of, out, of, out of his sleep and he hears the news and he can't even believe it himself. He says, well, we're going to have to send some people. Let's get, a, let's get five or six men and we'll send them out. And the king sends them and, and they come back. Guess what they come back with? A word. A word. We went all the way to the Jordan and all the way back. And all we saw was raiment clothing. All we saw was vessels and weapons. They left everything. They fled. We don't know what happened. But it is true. We can go out there 
and get what we need. Verse 16, and the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Caesareans. So a measure of the fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. According to the word of the Lord. When the good news got to the people and when you take the good news to the people, it's going to get inside of them when you start inviting them. I had a young lady that was here. Thank you, Jesus. I forgot about her. I had a young lady that was here and she said, this is my first Sunday because I gave her the three Sunday challenge. I said, if you don't like it in three Sundays, no hard feelings. I love you. You love me. In the name of Jesus, and you just go about your way. And she left, and, and, and when she was walking by me, I'm like, man, I know this lady. I know this lady. I know this lady. And she said, you forgot me. I said, no, I know who you are. I don't remember your name, but I, I remember. She goes, this is my first Sunday. And I said, I hope to see you tonight, and I hope you bring your grandchildren back. Remember I talked about her last week, huh? I talked about her last week. I hope she brings your grandchildren, huh? When they know it to be true, and she knows it to be true, her first time here, she walked in, she felt love, she felt a great experience, all because of Christ Jesus lives in you and I. There's no stopping the people. They go out and they're ransacking the camps. And the people were in need, and God met their needs. Verse 17, the king's servant went to work the gate. I would say that he went to work, he went to tax, he went to charge them. He said, hey, you're bringing in that much. This much goes to the king. This much comes to the king. Hey, this much belongs to the king. And as he's doing all that, those people got tired of that. And somebody shoved him down. I was at, I was at Subway getting a sandwich, and somebody hit me right in the back today. And I'm like, who in the world? And I turn around and it happened to be my pastor, our pastor, right? I mean, just like that. That's all that it would have taken. Somebody to push him and the next people behind. Nobody stopped. And they kept going out. Why did they keep going out? Because there was something out there that they needed to live on. And this man wasn't going to stop them. This man wasn't going to tax them because God met their needs. Hmm. Listen, he's seeing the work of the Lord. He's seeing the provision of God. I told you about the work of the Lord. The one person I invited came. You're hearing. And as he's watching the busyness of the people, they trample up on him and he dies. He saw it with his own eyes. Whether he was in awe, whether he was shocked that God could do such a great thing, but he didn't taste of God's goodness. Stir up the gifts that are inside of you. I want you to taste of God's goodness because God has more in store for you and I than we can ever imagine. <laughs> He's got more. Don't let unbelief steal your blessing. In closing tonight, don't let unbelief rob you for what God has planned for you. You are his child. You are an adopted son or daughter. Too often we look for the blessing of God. Or too often we're busy going into our tomorrow and we forget to look for the blesser. I don't know how to look for the blesser. I'm finding it out on myself. Whenever I was reading, that's what stuck out to me the most. It's just recognizing God for who God is. Not for the car, not for the paycheck, not for the food. Whenever I was reading all this, it was about chasing the blesser. And, and, and I'm trying to digest, I'm trying to figure it all out because I'm just, I want to sit in his presence. That's what I've, I, I've started doing something different in my prayer life. 
I don't get up. I, I get up and I, I start thanking him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But I, I sat down. And I've just gotten quiet. I can hear the birds singing, chirping. I can hear the cat meowing, the dogs barking, cars going by. But I'm trying to just quiet myself right now and see the blesser. Not for any blessings, but to see him for God, creator of heaven and earth, creator of every living thing in the sea and every living thing on, on earth. I'm just trying to see the blesser, that he's El Ra, that he's God who sees all. He already knows all my prayer requests. He already knows every individual that I'm gonna pray for and lift up. And all I wanna do is set in his presence. I wanna do it different because I need change. I wanna hear him. I wanna get up and I wanna do it differently. Elijah knows the blesser. He wasn't worried about the famine. His relationship with the Lord was one of closeness, the one of trust, the one of love, the one of accountability, the one of reliability. Elijah looked to the Lord for all things. He didn't look at the blessings in order to give thanks. He praised God yeah. for being God. That's right. And that's where our heart has to go. We gotta learn that he's God. God. The king's servant couldn't believe because he relied on the king more than he relied on the Lord. He heard the word of the Lord, but the unbelief in his heart and the lack of relationship with God brought mockery. Can he open up the windows? Does he have the power to open up the windows? Can he really do this on the morrow? Instead of trust, he brought mockery. The four lepers, they couldn't sit in death any longer. First, they got up. Second, they decided they wanted change. Third, they went after it. And fourth, God did the rest and met their needs. On the morrow, no belief. No unbelief on the morrow. No unbelief. I got this coat as a gift. And it had your, your, your store clip on it still with the ink, right? And the person that gave it to me said, hey, I'll take it to Penny's and get that off for you. And I said, nah, I'll take it. But I really wanted to wear this coat today. And, and we got home about 7.30 last night and I looked at Cindy, I said, I am not going to Penny's. And I done shower and I'm getting ready for bed and I want to wear this coat today. I want to wear this coat today. And I've pulled a few of those off before and I've never had the ink break on me at all. No unbelief. No unbelief. I took this thing out there to the garage. I grabbed that screwdriver and I said, and I heard the glass and the ink pop. No unbelief. I didn't share it with Cindy. This is the first time she's heard the story. I didn't tell her. I could feel, I could feel the blue ink running across my fingers and I looked down and I could see it all over my coat. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is a nice coat 
and I just ruined it. Wait, no, I didn't ruin this. I didn't ruin this. So I went upstairs and I grabbed Don and I washed my hands. And that ink came off my hands quick. And I took that Dawn and I rubbed it all over this coat. And I took water and I ran all over it. And I dried it the best I could with a towel. And then I hung it over a vent. And on the morrow, I didn't go to bed with unbelief. On the morrow, I expected to get up and there would be no ink on this coat. On the morrow, I don't know what you're going through. But on the morrow, God can make it new. On the morrow, whatever's going on in your heart, whatever's going on in your mind, God can wash all that away and it can be new on the morrow. All you gotta do is believe that God's able to wash that ink, to wash that stain away. All you gotta do is come to, the, come to the cross, come to the altar and say, God, this is what I'm going through right now. This is what I need right now. Unbelief, I, I took it with unbelief and I said, this is coming out. This is coming out and I got up this morning and I put it on and I said, Cindy, what do you think? How's this look? And I even did a little bit of this, a little bit of this, right? So, so she could see that there's no ink. What's in your heart? What are you dealing with? Because God can make it all new on the morrow and you don't have to worry about a stain. So tonight, if you will, bow your head, close your eyes. I don't know what you're going through. And I know Sunday night's a crowd of believers. But I gotta believe that we're all going through a little something. Because some of us are Elijah's right now. And our days are good and we're not in the famine. Some of us are like, man, God is blessing me and I'm good and you're high stepping it and you're walking high and that's great. Some of us are the king's servant. And we got unbelief in us. And, and we're, we're praying and we're seeking God for something, but we can't see it. But I can tell you on the morrow, it'll be there. Some of us may be the four lepers who just need to get up and ask for change. I don't know where you're at, but I'd ask you to examine your heart tonight. And as Pastor Kerry plays, I'd ask you to come to this altar and lay it down and leave it there. I hung up my coat last night and I left it there, believing on the morrow it would be just like new. And whenever I got up excitedly, like Christmas and ran up there, it was like new. On the morrow, on the morrow, I'd encourage you to come and give it to God and wait on the morrow. If there's any here tonight that's never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, is there one here who said, Pastor, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. Let me tell you, don't leave here without knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. He'll turn your life around. He'll change it. He'll make it new. Trust me, I know. It's the greatest thing. Is there one here tonight that's never asked Jesus into your heart? Is there one? Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 